0: And if you could open up to Psalm 145, that would be the psalm that Pastor Kyle read at the beginning of our worship service today. If you could open that up, Psalm 145, and I'll give you a chance as you're opening that to tell you what I think you can expect from this message that you're about to hear. I grew up in central New York, outside of Syracuse in a very little, very small farm town. And out the back door of the house that I grew up in all my life, you could walk up into the hills and you could walk miles and miles, 20 miles before you come to any other civilization. I mean, it's pretty amazing. And all over that hill were blackberry bushes, blackberry patches. And my mom could make an amazing blackberry pie. I love that pie. So I would go up there and my brothers and sisters, we would all go up there and we would take all of these big bowls and we would fill those bowls with blackberries. Here's an interesting thing though, that I kept discovering while picking blackberries. You know, you're always looking for those really big blue ones, the most succulent ones, and you pick it and you put it into the bowl. And you think you've got all of the ones on that part of the patch, then you move over. And all of a sudden you see a whole bunch more that you couldn't see from the other angle. Like they were hidden from you. And you'd reach in and you'd get them and then my brothers or my sisters would come along and, and they would find even more that I missed from both of those angles. And I think that's what we're going to discover in Psalm 145. I'm going to find some of the blackberries for you and we're going to pick them and you're gonna be in, they're going to be in this message. But I'm going to encourage you this week to take Psalm 145 and you go and you explore and you find ones that I missed. Because I think there's a bunch. So let's get the ones that I found and let's see what we are going to discover from Psalm 145. So here's my question for you as we get going. As you think of what it means to worship God, do you think of the words delight, adoration, love, gratitude, awe, honor, devotion, reverence. I mean, right now, listen, we're in a series called High and Lifted Up. We're learning how to worship our God. And so I want you to really think, what do you think of? What words are you associating with worship? And to the degree that those words take up space in your heart for God, it will determine the extent of your worship. Now, I'm pretty sure, at least I think for most of us, maybe all of us, I don't know, but I think for most of us, now listen, you you test this in your own life privately as I say this. Because I think for most of us, we really do want To worship our God we know how great he is but I think we worship a lot of things and they compete for the adoration and the love and the affection and the awe and the reverence that you might have for God there's there's competitive affections and desires and motivations and awes in our lives and what we're going to learn to do is how do you hone in on reverence and adoration for God? See, last week, Pastors Kyle and Tony taught us the first of four aspects in this series that we're going to look at. They taught us preparation. And today, we're going to look at Psalm 145. It's the only psalm of praise in the entire book of Psalms. Did you know that? There's only one psalm titled a psalm of praise and we're studying it and in fact it's the last song that david ever wrote and he's probably much much older when he wrote it and what we're going to see in this psalm is the importance of adoration that will spring forth praise so listen if you want to learn how to praise god then what you need is really a heart of adoration for him it's that simple in fact, I probably could just say amen and we could go home because that's mainly what I'm going to tell you. And that's what we're about to see. So let's look. Psalm 145. You got your Bibles open? If you're at home watching this, uh, I'm going to encourage you to open up your Bibles right now. Psalm 145. Go to the middle of your Bible. Go to the end of Psalms and you're going to find it pretty quickly. Here's how it begins. I will extol you, my God and, my, and King, and bless your name forever and ever Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. I've got four points for you. Here's the first one. God's greatness is to be praised. Pretty simple, right? Nothing I'm going to tell you is complicated. It's incredibly applicable. And it's very, very relevant to all of our lives. God's greatness is to be praised. Now, I mentioned to you that David certainly sang this song. He penned and wrote this song. This is a song. I mean, it's kind of weird, right? It's kind of odd. You heard Pastor Kyle read it if you got here at the beginning. It's a very long song. It doesn't flow like the songs that we write today, but it's a song. And it's a song that he wrote after a life of walking with God. So he knew God really, really well. And it's a song that all of Israel would sing, except look at it. It's incredibly intimately personal. Look at it again, verses 1 through 3. I will extol you. I will bless you. All right, now let me ask you a question, and this is one where you think privately in your own mind. When's the last time that you actually used the word extol in a sentence? Probably never. Or at least not in a long time so what's it mean extol means to lift up everybody do this it means to lift up high some of you are not participatory okay it means to lift up high now watch this i'm not going to demonstrate it because i might not get back up bless is to kneel so extol is to lift up bless is to kneel did you know that that's what the word means it means to kneel and then salute like in the ancient days, when a visitor would come before a king, that visitor always would kneel before the king. And then, I'm not kidding you, they would, they would blow kisses with their hands to the king. That's how they did it. In fact, no one ever, listen, nobody ever came before the king without bearing a gift for the king. You always had a gift in your hands. If you, if you came before a king... Without a gift, I'm going to tell you the most minimal thing that's going to happen. You will not get his favor. You will not get the request that you want. That's automatic. The worst thing that could happen is you could be put to death. So you never came before the king, the monarch, without a gift. Now listen, Christian, look at me for a second. This is amazing. This ought to really begin to blow your mind. You know the way that we approach Jesus Christ, our king? We have to approach with a gift. Our gift is praise. Did you know that? Praise is your gift. So when you're singing these songs, when you are testifying to God's greatness, when you are sharing with somebody else, maybe another Christian, maybe a non-believer, when you're bragging about God, when you're shining the spotlight on Him and you're making Him famous and you're telling people what He's done in your life, you are actually praising Him. That is your gift. David blessed God's name. That's really strange. I mean, look at it. That's what he says every day. I will bless you and praise your name. Your name, verse 1, forever and ever. So David blessed God's name. He praised God's name. But what does it really mean to bless God's name? I'm going to make it so simple. You ready? Haven't you ever heard somebody say that, you know what, that woman has made a good name for herself. What that means is that she has a good reputation. Her name involves her integrity. Her name involves her characteristics, her attributes, all of who she is. If she has a good name, she's got a good reputation because she's got a good life. So to bless God's name... Well, it means that you bless all of how God has revealed himself to you. All of how God has revealed his characteristics in the Bible. To bless God's name is to bless God in all of what he is, all of who he is. So the more that you know of God, now listen, this is, this is super, super awesomely helpful if you can master this. The more that you know of God... The more that you will be able to bless. And the more that you bless, the further down you will kneel and the higher you will exalt him. Do you see this? I mean, I'm just now, all I'm doing is picking the blackberries that are right in the front. We're going to go a little deeper in the bushes in a minute. But I'm just getting the easy ones right now. And they're beautiful. They're beautiful. We will be, Cornerstone will be a worshiping church when, now listen, when we all come together with a heart motivation to lift up our God and kneel down before him and salute him with our praise. Lift up our God as we kneel down before him and blow kisses and salute him with the gift that we have brought, and the gift that we have brought is praise. See, this is so practical. There's nothing complicated about this message, but it does invite us to ask ourselves some questions. Here's one of them when, oh, Wow. I mean, I had to ask myself this question, I didn't really like the answer. When's the last time? That you were worshiping God and it dropped you literally to your knees. Has that ever happened? When's the last time that you were praising God with your gift and your cheeks were just wet with your tears? Do you continually remind yourself to praise God? Look what David wrote. Look look at how the song goes in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. They're singing this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name, the accumulation of all of his attributes. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all of his benefits. How often are you reminding yourself, God, you've been so good to me. Look at the ways you've been good. I'm going to name them more. One by one you are so good to me that I want to return that to you in praise imagine I really really want you to try to do this imagine next week you're driving to church or you're walking to church you have no music playing you just turn it off And in the vacuum of that silence in your own heart and in your own mind while you're walking, while you're driving, you're just beginning to review all of how God has been good to you this past week. You're filling your heart up with a storehouse of gifts of praise that you can begin to return to him. That is praise. That is worship. That is powerful. That is mighty. Why? Because God is, look what it says, greatly to be praised. What if all of us, now listen, don't think that I've mastered this. Okay, don't think that. But what if all of us would find it unthinkable to come late to church? I mean, sometimes there's circumstances you can't avoid. I get it. But I mean, if you're patronistically late, well, maybe you don't get out of work until 530 and you rush. But, hey, that's awesome. Thank you. Don't stop coming. But if you could be here on time and you're not here on time, what does that tell you about what you're storing up in your heart toward God. You're certainly not kneeling. And it's hard to return praise to God when he really might not be worth you coming here to worship him fully. Whew, that's tough, right? It's tough to hear that. But what we're trying to do is we're really trying to examine our hearts. Do we have hearts of adoration? Well, you can see the glimpse of David's heart. You can notice the names that he used to describe God. Look what he said. God, that in the Hebrew language is Elohim. Elohim is the mighty creator over all, and he joins God with the word king. So he's the king of all kings. But look, it's followed by the word Lord. You see that word Lord? It's all small caps, L-O-R-D. Whenever you see that in your Bible, and there's over 6,000 of them, that's Yahweh, which became Jehovah. That's the greatest, most personal, sacred name of God. So David, right out of the gates, is lifting God up in his supremacy, his greatness, in order to fill his heart with adoration, so that it will spring forth in praise. And this is what I'm Telling you, if you don't have a heart that's springing forth in praise, you don't have a lot of adoration in there because you have not really grasped the greatness of God. So David invites us to come into his presence with hearts full of the knowledge of his greatness, and it moves us to the second point. The greatness of God is to be declared, verses 4 through 7. Now, when our sports teams win, whether it's high school, college, or pro, we love to talk about it. We love to brag about it. If you're on social media, you like to talk, you like to type about it. We discuss it at work. We discuss it on the streets. We talk about an amazing restaurant. Some people in here right now just went to a new restaurant. They found it really amazing. I can't wait to go. We talk about an excellent dentist. I have a fear of dentists. I really do. From a small little child, when I had to go to the dentist, always happened. I would throw up. I would get so scared that I got nauseous. Finally, a guy in our church who is a dentist... I went to him. He was so incredibly good that he eradicated my fear of dentists. Okay, so, but when we find a good dentist, guess what I did? When my, the fear of my of dentist left my heart, I immediately began telling everybody about it. Listen, if you have a fear of dentists, this is the one you go to. He's incredibly good. We light up Instagram with accolades for our children. Listen, here's the principle. When you really love someone, when you really adore someone, you want to tell others about it. I did two weddings last week, oddly enough, one of them in Kansas City, Missouri. I flew back really quickly to do another one for two people in our church last Sunday. And guess what? Both of them, both of the weddings, as soon as the wedding was done, parents are putting up on, the, on Facebook and Instagram pictures of their kids. They're putting up, the couples are putting up pictures of their wedding. Listen, when we really adore someone, we want to tell people about it. It cannot stay in your heart. In fact, it turns toxic if you try to hold it in your heart. When your hearts are full of adoration for the greatness of God, guess what? It's begging to be declared. It must be proclaimed. It it needs to be shared with others. And David sings about this exact same desire. Look at verse 4. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. So here's your assignment. Every single one of us, me included, this week, find a way to declare to somebody about the greatness of God's deeds. Find a way. NOW PARENTS OF WHICH I AM ONE, CLEARLY, CLEARLY, WE SHOULD CONSTANTLY BE DECLARING THE DEEDS AND THE CHARACTER OF OUR GOD TO OUR CHILDREN, RIGHT? ONE GENERATION TO ANOTHER, PARENTS TO THEIR CHILDREN, GRANDPARENTS TO THEIR GRANDCHILDREN, And David had just sung that every day I will bless you. Do you know what that means? Everybody look at me for a moment because this is mind blowing. Every day I will bless you means that every day God is doing something of which he is worthy to be blessed. There's never a day that goes by. In fact, there's never an hour that goes by that you're not going to have something of which to praise God for. Every hour of your day, God is working. Listen, do this tomorrow morning, and you will find a brand new start to your day. You wake up tomorrow morning? Guess who never went to sleep? God. He watched over you, the Bible says. You and I? We have to sleep. If we don't sleep, we run out. Our bodies break down. God never sleeps, the Bible says, nor does he ever slumber. And what does he do when you, when you sleep, when I sleep? He is watching over us. So guess what? The very first thing you can do tomorrow morning when you wake up before your feet hit the ground walking is to stop and take 30 seconds and go, God you're so great. You don't even need sleep. You just spent the night watching over me, guarding my dreams. Because you know the devil wants to get you through your dreams. Thank you, Jesus. You are so amazing. You are an incredible God. That is a heart of adoration that has grasped the greatness of God. You have lifted him up. You have knelt down to bless him. And you have poured forth praise. And that is the way we can live. And it's the way we must live. Notice the word commend. This is, this is crazy. I never knew this until I studied for this sermon. The word commend has the meaning of calm. And pacify. Let me read it to you again. In that passage, one generation shall commend your works to another. Do you know what that means, a friend? Listen. When a friend of yours is going through a storm in life and their their life is being rocked, your praise, your declaration of God's greatness. You're lifting up Elohim and Yahweh and the King of all kings has the power to calm them, the power to pacify their anxiety. You have great power as you declare... You you declare and you praise God with your friend whose life is falling apart. Listen, don't give them empty platitudes. Don't tell them, don't worry, you're going to get through this. It'll be better tomorrow. That means nothing to anybody. Praise your God and it will calm their souls. That's the power of praise. We are to make known To the children of man, your mighty deeds. But how? How can we become a people that increasingly praises our God? Point number three. The greatness of God, verse five, must be meditated on. Here's, Here's one of my favorite parts. This one and the next point, the final point. Look what it says in verse 5. Can everybody look at your Bible so that you know what I'm saying is what the Bible says? Here's what it says. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. Okay, can you look at me for just a moment so I can make sure your heart you're, you're hearing me and you're going to learn what I'm about to tell you? If you want to become a praising Christian that lifts God up, exalts him, and blesses him, kneels him down to salute, and your salute is a gift of praise. If you want to become that, what I am about to show you from Psalm 145 verse, that very verse, is the key to it all. It's the key to it all. Here it is. I hope you listen. As you begin to meditate on the works of God, there's something that's gonna happen deeply within your heart, your spiritual center. Your affections for God will increase. Your love for God will grow. Your adoration for God will become greater. Just when you meditate on the greatness of God, the works and the deeds of your God, something is happening inward. What is happening? The Spirit of God is working deeply in you to give you the want to so that you can do what you ought to. He's changing your motivation. He's changing your affections. He's changing your love. And this is exactly and the only way that spiritual growth occurs. It always happens from the inside out. Listen, you got a football coach, and they're trying to motivate their team, and he is working them up emotionally he's reminding them of what they've worked on all week he is reminding them of the plays he's reminding them of of who they are as athletes right that's from the outside in he's trying to affect their motivation from the outside in god works the exact opposite the spirit of god works from the inside out, if you want to change, if you want to overcome an addiction, if you want a, a larger, more powerful love for God, listen, it is by meditating on the wonder of who God is. And while you do, the Spirit of God is working deeply within you to change your motivations, to change your affections, to change your desires, so that you don't love that drug as much, that you love Jesus more than the drug, love Jesus more than the drink, love of Jesus more than sex before marriage. Listen, all of this happens when the gospel changes you from the inside out. The key to it all is meditate. But what does that mean? Well, let me show you how this works, how the gospel works. Ezekiel said, I will give you a new heart And a new spirit I will put within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So God's going to give you a new heart, Christian, by faith the moment you put your trust in Jesus. He gives you a new heart. The spirit of God lives inside of you. And he begins to exert his mighty power. The same power that created the world is set loose in your hearts. Philippians chapter 2. It is God who works in you. Well, what's he doing? Well, here's what Paul says. He's affecting your will. He's helping you to work for his good pleasure. He's changing you from the inside out. So as you meditate on the wonderful works of God in your life, the wonderful works of God on display in this creation, he begins a deep, deep change in your hearts, the springs of your motivations. He's giving you new desires, new affections, and he's changing you into a people that praise God. Well, did you find a set of keys that you lost and you panicked? Meditate on the God who delights to help you find them. Were you spared from a life ending disease or accident? Then meditate on the God who preserved your life. Did you have an unexpected blessing come to you? Then meditate on the God from whom all blessings flow. And the more that you look to Him, the more you meditate, behold, and consider this great God. Look what's going to happen. In 2 Corinthians. As, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, meditating. On God, the glory of God, looking at it, seeing it, considering it, you're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Do you not know this is how spiritual growth occurs? It's always been the way. So we look at God, we consider Him constantly, we put Him up on high, we extol Him, we bless Him by kneeling down and we salute Him through our praises and change is happening in our hearts and it leads us to the final point that i have now listen we got to reach deep into the blackberry bush because the best berries are the deepest ones and here we go god's greatness is most proclaimed in the gospel god's greatness is most proclaimed in the gospel about a month ago now i think it is we uh went on our one and only cruise that we've ever been on to, it was to Alaska. You want to know my favorite part of the cruise? It was in the forward, topmost lounge of the ship, with windows all the way around you. You could sit on these comfortable chairs, and all you saw were endless mountains, one after another, and and the water of the Alaskan intercoastal waterways was teal green from all the glacier activity. I mean, it was, it was, on the, it was worshipful to just see the display of God in this creation. It filled me with thoughts of God's infinite majesty and beauty. So I'm going to ask you a question, and, and for some of us, like me, I've never been to the Grand Canyon, so we're going to have to kind of imagine this, but I have been to the ocean, and I think most of us have, so let me ask you a question. And I've asked you this before, but I want you to imagine standing at the rim of the Grand Canyon. And if you can't even imagine that, then I'll go to the second one. I'll give you a third after that. I want you to imagine standing on the beach, looking out over the vastness of the Atlantic Ocean. And if you still can't capture that one, then I want you to imagine you're on top of a mountain over 6,000 feet high. You're at the pinnacle, and it seems like you can see around the curve of the horizon. Now watch. At the rim of the Grand Canyon, or at the beach of the Atlantic Ocean, or at the pinnacle of that mountain, I want you to picture that you raise your arms out wide and scream at the loudest voice you can, I am so great. You can't do it. It's impossible. Your words will come out of your mouth and they will fall flat at your feet. When you are in the scope of God's creation, it reduces us And it magnifies God. And we see this in Psalm 95 For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. You see, when you look at creation through the eyes of faith, it fills your heart with wonder and adoration and awe, and reverence, and affection for the creator. But there's a problem. I mean, this is all over the Bible, right? That the writers speak of God's creation. It's everywhere. Isaiah, Psalms, it's everywhere. You know what they always do, though? They never end there. Because there's something even infinitely greater than creation to lift God up. There's an infinitely greater greatness of God that is seen even in the wonder of creation. And what that is, is the redemption of sinners. The writers of the Bible always leave creation at some point, and then they go on to God's redeeming activity. It always goes there. There's never an exception to this. Because no deed of God is greater than his love that moves him to be glorious and merciful to sinners. Now, I want you to just ask. Now, be honest. Brace yourself when you ask this. Just be honest. Do you see yourself as a great sinner? Now listen, let me me confess something. Yes, I'm a pastor. been a pastor for 31 years, right? Studied the Bible. I study it every day. And guess what? There's not a day that goes by, and I don't boast of this. It's to my shame. There's not a day that goes by that I don't sin. There's not a day that goes by that I don't love God to the standard that God requires. That is sin. That's missing the mark, the definition of sin. There's not a day that goes by that I don't have the abhorrence towards sin that God has. Guess what? That's missing the mark in that sin. Are you a great sinner? You see, the more you understand just how great a sinner you are, the more you're going to be amazed by his grace and mercy. But you might not even know what grace and mercy is, right? We've got all kinds of pop definitions for it, right? You got grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Everybody loves that one. Or grace getting what you don't deserve, mercy not getting what you do, right? Those are pop theology definitions. Let me zero it in a little bit better and a little bit more precise, because this now has the power to change. See, grace. Is displayed when god takes away our sin and our guilt through the death of jesus grace is always about our sin the grace of god always targets our sin the grace of god floods us as he takes our sin away and our guilt and our condemnation away we sang about that today But his mercy is a little different. His mercy is displayed as God begins to restore us from the effects and the misery of our sin. See, our sin breaks down life. It always does. Sin never gives you a better life. It always breaks it down. Listen, if you are struggling with drugs, if you're struggling with chronic unemployment, you know what I'm saying is true. Sin has not gotten you where you want to be. YOU KNOW THAT. YOU CANNOT BE SUPREMELY HAPPY. YOU ARE MISERABLE. So grace is God's willingness through Christ to take away your sin when you confess, but his mercy is God's movement toward you to rebuild your life, to restore you from the effects of that sin. And there is no greater adoration. You cannot lift God higher nor kneel lower and salute him with more kisses than when you're speaking about his grace and his mercy and his ability and willingness to redeem your life. Because God does not treat us as our sins deserve. Amen? Amen. God loves the believing sinner to the same degree. This is mind-blowing. you got to believe it, though, because it's the word of God. He loves you, Christian, to the same degree that he loves his son. So when you sin in that same sin for the 3,000th time... And there's a little whispery voice in the back of your mind going surely god is getting sick of me maybe i'm running out on chances you cannot run out of chances he is not weakening in his love for you and he's not weakening in his resolve to bring mercy to restore your life to get you above the sin therefore you've got an endless stream of worship and praise possibilities Did you know that God dances over you and sings over you in delight according to Zephaniah? Did you know that God delights in dwelling with us and in us through the Holy Spirit? Did you know that God gives you, Christian, incalculable spiritual riches? Did you know that he adopts you into his family as his child in an unbreakable covenant that he can never, ever, ever forsake? We are no longer slaves to sin. Do you realize, Christian, that now when you and I sin, it's a choice, it's not a compulsion. We're choosing it. We're not under the power and the dominion of sin anymore. We've been rescued from that. So now when we sin, it's because we wanted to. And we can confess that because our affections for the sin are greater than our affections for God. And the gospel wants to work from the inside out to give you a greater affection for him than any sin because we are no longer slaves to sin. We are free, we are no longer under condemnation, we're no longer under judgment, we are innocent, we are guiltless because of Jesus Christ. So what is there to fear? What is there ever to fear with a God like ours? Why are we so anxious with a God that is so great, who loves us so much? Christian, you have a new name, you have a new identity. You have a new heart, a new life, a new future, a new family. This is redemption, and there's nothing greater than the redemption of God that can make you salute him from your knees and give him the gift of praise that he is due. It is the greatest way to praise God. And watch David sing about it. Verse 14, the Lord upholds all who are falling. That's mercy. He raises up all who are bowed down. That's grace. The Lord is righteous in all of his ways and kind in all of his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. God graciously forgives and mercifully restores. Now, I'm a minute. I'm a minute from done. BUT THERE'S ONE MORE BLACKBERRY THAT I CANNOT LEAVE ON THAT PATCH, AND YOU'VE GOT TO EAT IT WITH ME. HERE IT IS. REMEMBER, THIS SERIES IS CALLED HIGH AND LIFTED UP. THERE'S FOUR PILLARS OF WORSHIP THAT WE'RE GOING TO TEACH YOU FROM THE PSALMS, FROM THE WORD OF GOD. THE FIRST ONE LAST WEEK, PREPARATION, HOW DO YOU PREPARE YOUR HEART TO MEET YOUR KING. The second one tonight, today, adoration. How can your heart be filled with adoration that will salute God in praise? Next week is proclamation. How do you bend and bow under the weight of God's word and be transformed by it? And finally, application. How can you leave this place and serve our great God, right? That's how I lift it up. What we learned today is this. And look at the screen because you're going to see it. Meditate on the greatness of God seen in his deeds, especially in his redemption through Jesus Christ, and you will have a heart of adoration that springs forth and prays that when you declare it will bring calm to God's people even in the great difficulties of life. But I haven't even told you, and here's your blackberry. I haven't even, or your uh, yeah, blackberry. I've never even told you What the word praise means it's from a hebrew word that gives us hallelujah and it means to shine or boast church let us shine the light on our great god let us make him famous and let us boast of him forever amen let's pray father thank you Lord, as we are winding down, we still have another couple things we're going to do. It won't take long, but we're going to wind down to the end of this service. But Lord, please do not leave any of us without impressing deeply in our hearts the truth of Psalm 145. Yahweh, Elohim, King of all kings, you are great. YOUR WORKS ARE GREAT, YOUR DEEDS ARE GREAT, BUT NONE OF THEM ARE AS GREAT AS YOUR WORK OF REDEMPTION. FATHER, THANK YOU FOR LOVING US SO MUCH THAT YOU SENT JESUS TO RESCUE LOST SINNERS LIKE ALL OF US. AND THE MOMENT THAT WE PUT OUR FAITH IN YOU AND TRUST YOU FOR OUR SALVATION AND FORGIVENESS OF OUR SINS, LORD, YOU REDEEM US. YOU BUY US OUT OF THAT PRISON OF SIN AND YOU GIVE US A NEW HEART a new identity, a new name, a new mind, a new family with affections and motivations and aspirations and adoration and reverence and awe in our hearts that are salutes to you in praise. Lord, don't let us leave here without learning how to be a praising people to our great God. In Jesus' name, amen.